Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Neighborhood Watch. I am your host, Josh Neighbors. A little under the weather, so I've brought in some help. My man, Robbie Triano, is, is here to help us sort out uh, what is what in the Big 12 and nationally. So I appreciate you being here, Robbie. Well, let's start with something that's been kicked around that you and I have talked about. I've had uh, listeners of the show. I've had people in private reach out to me and ask me, hey, what's all this noise about Oregon State and Washington State? And look, on this program, I promised you that we would be the most, as I'm laughing, the most serious five-day-a-week-plus Big 12 program. And for the most part, I think we are. Last week, I did talk about Oregon State and Washington State in the sense of, should the Big 12 give them another look if they both have really good seasons? Because there's a chance they both have, they might have really awesome seasons this year. They're both 3-0. They're both about to play this week. And so, like, I think one of them will get propelled, but they could still end, both end up having really awesome seasons. And is it worth a look for the Big 12 again? And I thought, yeah, it might be because this is a conference that's really built off of competitive depth. And those two schools could add more of it in a year like this. We're seeing the Big 12 is, you know, a lot of those teams are down. Having two extra schools that could be up could help your competitive depth overall. And so from that standpoint, it makes sense. But obviously, the one big key here is the financials would have to make sense. And that's a huge, big if. And also with this, Robbie, I always say this, look, if our guy Ross Dellinger, if our guy Dennis Dodd, if our guy Brett McMurphy, if our guy, a girl Nicole Auerbach, if these people that we trust so much, and uh, um, Pete Thamel too, ESPN, if they're not saying anything about it, there's a good chance nothing's actually happening, right? And there has been no talk at all from them about those schools, excuse me, joining the Big 12. None. We have an article from Ross that you and I are going to talk about, about promotion and relegation and how, you know, that could be a way that these schools become relevant again. But there's no talk about these schools joining the Big 12 right now. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't necessarily go that far. And I know that realignment as big 12 people who love this conference, like this last summer and the past year has been like, yes, realignment. This is so good yes. for the big 12. But if you add these two schools, what exactly are you adding? Like, yes, you get the late night window, but unless you're like Dion, like those late night numbers are not necessarily great. First of all, Dion with his numbers uh, with that Colorado State game. Unbelievable. Fifth most viewed game from ESPN. Um, and it was at 1030 uh, Eastern time. I stayed up to watch it at the Wii. I I, I, 
it was insane. It too. Insane game. <laughs> but the thing is, like, what do those two brands add to the Big 12? And the answer is not really a whole lot. If you were to take, let's say, if they were in the conference, the 18 brands that we would have, I don't know where they would stack, and they would definitely not be in the top half. Basketball, they don't add anything. Football, we're seeing improvements, but really not going to crack the top at all. And is that a brand that if people see a casual were to see, that's like, oh, I know. So the late night window thing, I understand it is important, but unless you are truly moving the needle, you are just a late night game. And I don't see that ever like coming to fruition for the Big 12. And I think now if you are Brett Yormark, your goal should not just be to add people, but to add quality people. And I don't know the next time realignment will actually happen, but right now we're seeing the league kind of plateau this year. You had this high last year, like, wow, TCU is very good. The best year in the NFL draft. And this year kind of brought back to earth because we're realizing that this league is not ready to reload every single year, like the SEC and the big 10. And I do not think adding Oregon state and Washington state does that. So I would do your homework first before we just, you know, hop on the realignment bandwagon and say, we got to add more. Like I would like kind of be, uh, calm and neutral. They're going to the Mountain West. That's just what's going to happen. Yeah, and what that looks like is the big question. I would say this too. I think Brett Yormark at this point is focused on ad- like I- he's a big basketball guy. We know this. I think he does. If you were to focus on this, it- there'd be some basketball element to it, right? Like a UConn plus Gonzaga edition. And honestly, I don't think that's imminent. I mean, he said pretty clearly. He said we're done. Um, now you know we're done in in the modern. Ed- you know, day and age of college football is in college sports is probably not the right thing to say because everything's changing so fast. So it's, you know, I, but I think he just said we're done as a just kind of way to be like, all right, we can kind of move on to the, the league's new initiative, right? Focus on the league's actually the action itself and, and those things. And so, you know, I, I think the, um, I think it's almost like phases, if you will. I think kind of phase one of the Brett Yormark experience was, the uncertainty phase and that was it just so happened that it, that it was the big 12 contract and texas and ou moving out and realignment and he got all those things squared away right he got ou in texas out earlier they wanted that the league wanted that they got a number figure that worked they got him out they acclimated the new schools in and we're seeing some of them acclimating pretty pretty well in football we're seeing um byu shout out to you guys uh, and also UCF too. Shout out to you guys as well. Houston, we're, we're praying for you. We'll talk to you. We'll talk about you guys in a little bit. Uh, and then who am I missing? Uh, oh, Cincinnati. Well, up, I mean, just up. That wasn't experience that has been the first three weeks here. But yeah, I, I think, and that, I think the kind of like we're done was not just, it was more of a statement about like, all right, phase two. We'll, we'll talk about what this league will be moving forward, kind of the initiatives and, th- and things like that. They're trying to push forward with the league. So, Look, I'm not saying Washington State and Oregon State couldn't be added, but I do think like the basketball piece of this is big too because those schools are not adding a whole lot in terms of massive brand value. They're not adding a lot in terms of market share. They are adding competitive uh, competitive programs in football, which I do think is important and so might be a, wor- a look a, you know a, worth a look in that respect. But if it's not additional money, then we have to kind of you know think about that. I do want to bring up the idea of promotion and relegation. And so, you know, the, the idea here being like they do a the Mountain West Conference and the Pac-2 kind of strike a partnership where, um, you know, 
they, they kind of take the Pac-12 brand, I guess you could say, right? And then they take also to the Mountain West brand and they mold them into two things. And, and, and Robbie, one thing I've said, and I've maintained this the entire time, is that whatever happens west of the Rocky Mountains, I thought the Pac-12 brand would survive because in my opinion, it still is like the conference of champions, right? It's still, I mean, the Pac-12 brand for whatever you want to say, Larry Scott and George Klyavkov have done to it to damage it. And the current, the, the schools that were currently in it and are currently in it have done to damage it. Like the brand is still relatively strong. And so I think that will endure and maintain. And so I think whatever happens, I actually like the odds of a Pac-12 like or the Pac something, Pacific mm -hmm. something, maintaining do you think that's still a strong possibility yeah um and if they do merge with the mountain west i would be curious to see like what name sticks more because we're going to see oregon state and washington state kind of i mean they fought for <laughs> basically having the pac-12 rights and if you have you know the mountain west merging with that is that the pac-12 just becomes you know oregon state washington state plus the mountain west so but i do agree and I think that's why, you know, this round of realignment has been so important because we're seeing how important these brands are. And you have a name like the Pac-12, a name that has been here for basically a century. And the Mountain West, if you were to tell a casual fan on the East Coast in the middle of America, they may know it, but like do exactly they know what right. schools are in it. So like my dad knows that my dad knows the Pac-12. My dad watches, you know, he lives in Virginia. He Correct. watches football each week. He definitely knows the Pac-12. He probably couldn't tell you one. He he could guess Boise's the Mountain West, but like beyond that, he wouldn't know. No, I, I agree. And I think it's a good point if they do keep that. And it's more like, is the Mountain West willing to put their ego aside and gain that name, just like change their name to that? I know there's probably a lot more complicated process than that, but I do believe, you know, that is the best branding move for that. But I mean, that conference is just going to be really sad moving forward. Like, like there's no way it's going to be at the power five level ever again. And I do think like yeah. we are going to have to reframe our brain to call it the power four or whatever phrasing we want to call the, the fearsome four, whatever, whatever the hell, like some, someone's going to write up with, it's going to be some Brett McMurphy tweet and he's going to make it <laughs> and he's going to say it first. And we're just all going to have to run with it. Uh, but it, it, it is sad what's happened to that conference, especially what is happening with football this year. Uh, I don't think there's a more entertaining conference right now than the Pac-12, and that's like really sad to think about. Yeah, you're right. Now you're totally right. It's it's the best conference by far, and I, I think you're right too. It will be some kind of catchy Brett McMurphy like <laughs> moniker. Yeah. Um, the idea here from Ross is that the conferences, if kept sep separate and recognized by the NCAA and the CFP, they would retain millions of dollars of assets in existence. Than the Pac-12, that includes at least fifty million dollars of NCAA tournament basketball shares, more than forty million dollars in reserves and whatever else uh, the Pac-12 network infrastructure stuff like that. Retain automatic qualifying spots in the NCAA championship tournaments for each league's champion in all sports except for football, and re retain revenue distribution from the CFP for each league. And that one's obviously a real question, but I will say this: like, and the one thing that I know always does at least on the premier league side of things and the soccer side, because that's where promotion relegation ideas are coming from here. The games that are four spots in the premier league in the champions league, like the fight to get to fight the fight to stay up is almost as good. And sometimes even better than the fight to go up. 
Um, and so like trying and, and that's why I do think we ultimately actually get this in whatever the college football world is. I think we're honestly 10 to 20 years from a world where it's like Missouri is playing K-State, not in a game this past week on a September, you know, because it, it was a great game. But like maybe that game takes the form of you're trying to get into the top 20. Right. You know, that that 15 next to K-State, that's not just about the 15 ranking the AP has given them. You know, Missouri's trying to get into the into the big boy game and, and, and they have to beat K-State who's in the game to get there and to get that money and all of those things like that's what the Premier League is currently. And I think that's actually where things are headed. And so I'm telling you, like as a television product, you all can say what you want. But as somebody who watches soccer, those games are compelling. And so I will say, like, I do think it's an idea there. And I, and I think it's one that the look at this point, what do Washington State and Oregon State have to lose, Robbie? There's really not a whole lot them left to lose. And also for the Mountain West as well, too. Now that, you know, we're rediscussing the format of a 12-team playoff, what that actually means, like, what does the Mountain West actually have to lose if the top six, uh, you know, highest-ranked conference champions aren't going to get in? There's no guarantee the Mountain West is involved in that either. So what does the Mountain West have to lose? No, it, it's a great point. It's a great idea. And I think down the line, something like that happens definitely in the short term. I don't see a way any athletic director, any school president like agrees to the idea Sounds of like, right. hey, I'm making 70 millions, uh, seven million dollars a year and I could potentially be making 20, 10. Uh, 40, no, right? yeah, like uh, that's where. Um, yeah, cut my le- I- left leg off. Yeah, take it. Yeah, I don't, I don't need it anymore. Right. No, but I, I do agree that um, when it comes to gaining interest and gaining respect, like we're seeing what is happening in soccer for so long with relegation, you're seeing people care about the teams that aren't necessarily there, the teams that just want to stay alive or have a hope of being there. And that's where I think like that idea is so intriguing. But I, I'm I'm more I don't know if this has been brought up in the relegation conversation, but I'm I trust the people in America to to do it the right way and what i mean by that is if you're a team fighting and you want to get in so bad i can just see a lot of tampering a lot of Mm. portal hullabaloo a lot of nil thrown at people to be like you know what we have to do everything so we don't go to the bottom league and we stay up here Mm. and i'm gonna see a lot of a lot of scandals going on, but as long <laughs> as you make it, it's like, oh well, I did my job. Like, is, is and that's where I think that's a great point. You know, it, there's a lot more relegation or not, not like a lot more rules over over there. And I know FIFA is not doing great or whatever is going on with that. Well, they, they they do. Yeah, that's one thing is so they have these financial fair play rules, but nobody actually listens to them. So like, I guess you're kind of right that there will be a lot more <laughs> a lot more scandals. On uh, when it comes to this, it's a great point. I hadn't thought of that, and the desperation to stay up would be um, just that. It would be. But do you think that's intriguing? Like, if there was just like a wild, wild west, would you care about that? Or if you were a fan, you know, who didn't have that money, or the fan who like, it's like, how are these people getting away with that? Like, would that make you just want to quit the sport completely? Whatever it takes, I think is going to be a fan idea, right? Like, I'll tell you what, Robbie. So. Working in Arkansas now, and, and look, you and I worked in college sports, but like, this is just one week, and they lost to BYU on Saturday night. But like, the amount of takes, I'm getting texts about like who they want the next coach to be. Somebody texted me was like, "What about Dan Lanning from Oregon?" Like the idea that Dan Lanning 
would leave Nike money and eventually now a big right. 10 trip from Oregon to go, go coach Arkansas is like, uh, yeah. it sounds fun, but like, I don't, like, like, so, you know, and, and look like there are a lot of financially, uh, well, you know, a lot of, uh, Walmart isn't, 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 you know, isn't Arkansas. Like there, like there are people that can make the money happen for sure, whatever. Right. But like, there is a desire across all of these schools to do whatever it takes and I think that's and, and that's where we get into the icky, disgusting part of college sports at this point. And like, how much do we want to lean into all the way, like whatever it takes, right? Because this is the one problem now that the like the NFL doesn't have this problem, right? The um, uh, the NBA doesn't have this problem, really, because of salary caps, right? There is a salary cap in in those sports. That's why football, or that's why that's why big time college athletics has more of a chance to resemble baseball because like, what are the, what are the Cincinnati Reds or Pittsburgh Pirates care? They collect that massive check at the end of the year. Who are the Pittsburgh Pirates? Rutgers. Rutgers don't care. They're getting a fat check at the end of the day. So like, why should we go all out to, to make more money? They're going to pay us either way. Vanderbilt, same thing too. Like these schools, it's Indiana, right? Like we care about basketball and basketball doesn't, doesn't cost us that $80 million check and football is kind of whatever. Now it goes the other way too that they could say one day, Hey, we start caring all of a sudden too. But like that does get you into this idea of how professionalized do we make it? And if we do professionalize it. Like we need a lot of guardrails because even in the sports where there are some guardrails, you still feel like baseball makes us feel more dirty than any other sport because of the way the owners just like, yeah, the A's for example, right? We don't care what the stadium's like. We don't mm -hmm. care who is playing on the, on the field. We will trade any good player we have as long as that revenue, uh, you know, check clears at the end of the season. That's all we care about. And like, I don't want to get into a space where there are some schools where the fans are just like, I will do whatever. I'll give whatever collective, how much money so we can get player X, Y, or Z. And there's some schools who are like, eh, our fans really don't care that much. So we'll sit here, we'll win six games occasionally, but we'll just mm -hmm. take the check and cash it and, and do whatever we want with it. You know, I, I think you bring up a good point there. It's like you won't have any schools that do exactly that. Who I'm sure every school cares about football and so much just because it brings right. in a whole lot of money. But it's more of like if you are in this losing battle and you will never beat Alabama or Georgia. I think Indiana is like the perfect example because Indiana is correct. in the Big Ten East, right? So like that yes. is it's not going to happen for you. Yeah, no, and I, I agree. It's like, well, we can just be entertaining and we can collect that check and that that's good for us. But now it gives them an incentive like, oh, we actually have to do that. But then there's the risk of, you know, as much as we hate parity in college football and in sports in general, it is so important to getting people to watch and to care. We just saw what happened in the final four. Like those were no teams that we necessarily cared about besides UConn, but I still don't think that's a brand that's drawing in a lot of eyeballs and not a lot of players that you're like, I need to watch this person. And that's where if we have, you know, each year someone new on paper, we're probably like, hell yes, I want to see that. But is that really like mm -hmm. if, 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 if Colorado is just a three and O team right now, and let's say um, Brett Bielema was coaching them, just a random coach, like, are they getting right. this many views? And that's where I think we do need that kind of big name, big person mm -hmm. over there to like get people more involved. And like for us, you and I, the casual college football fan, we will, or not the casual, the, the diehard college football fan, we're going to watch no matter what, it doesn't matter. But mm -hmm. if it turns and comes of spread, like, 
growing the sport, getting more people involved. Um, I don't know if that is the best thing, but I know um, it will it will spark intrigue. But this is this is an amazing conversation. I know it's one that's talked about every every year when it comes to realignment. Right. And also, if let's say right now the Big Twelve was in realignment, what would be the program or the the couple of programs that every year should be very very worried all the time? Because no, it's not Kansas, Kansas anymore. It can't, well, it's not I was going to say, my first thought was Kansas, but it's not Kansas anymore. You know, well, that, and that's the thing is like Iowa State is right there now, and and see, because you think about the bingo, the four schools they brought in, and I that's so so interesting. But like, yeah, if, if so, if you were to do like if the Big Twelve, let's just say the Big Twelve were to add Washington State and Oregon State, and you go to eighteen, almost to like a nine and nine type deal, mm-hmm. right? Like, there's a there's an upper Big Twelve, and there's a lower Big Twelve. Um, you know, it, it's like who, like who are the schools that are? Yeah, I mean, it's it's it's. But here, here's the crazy part about it. Last year, we had Iowa State, who had a top twenty defense, and if you take out that game against TCU at the end of the year, like they were an elite defense basically all season, even with a horrific, horrific offense. That's one of the teams that's going to be down there, and they got one of the, and I mean, at least who we thought was one of the better coaches in the league. And yeah, I think you're right. And that's why this league is so much fun because it is dependent on the coaching. It is dependent on like what year you get that coach. Um, but like, I think all four of the new programs they added are better programs than than Iowa State. I, I, I don't mean to mean the Iowa State people, but like, I'm just sorry. That's kind of the fact. And I, we can't put Kansas down there anymore, can we? No. Um, and I know we're probably in the short term with Kansas, but at least they have Kansas basketball. And that's a brand that like, you know, is among the best. And Iowa State is a good basketball program. Is, that yeah. is not one that competes for national titles. The thing about Iowa State that they have that would keep them in there is literally their fans are among the best in the league. Like those are the most passionate group of people and online. As we saw this past there. week. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but but no, it's interesting. Like, let's say Notre Dame was going to join the Big 12, but they had a rule of, of like, we need to kick out one person. We get to kick out one person. Brett Yormark, you get to pick that person. I think it, it might be Iowa State at this very moment, and um, that's really sad to see because I know how passionate they are. But in terms of football, not a great history. And as right now, Matt Campbell, he kind of hit his ceiling, and his ceiling wasn't even really that high. Uh, so that's where it's kind of it's kind of sad. But, no, this is – this is a very great conversation, a great topic. Uh, but I would watch out Iowa State if relegation ever does happen. Yeah, they would. They'd probably be the 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 first team up. Uh, let's let's talk about some Big Twelve teams uh, this season. So the the we were on coach firing watch for two teams. We were on there for West Virginia and Houston. And Robbie, you and I talked about West Virginia as if it was like a foregone conclusion. And look, I'm not backing off that stance. Um, I thought Neil Brown had to coach his way back onto the hot seat. And like that's that's how that's how bad the situation was there. Now, I do think we have to acknowledge this. I think West Virginia is in a place financially that is that they are looking for a they're looking for an excuse to keep Neil Brown. If you go from a performance standpoint, there is plenty of justification there for him to no longer be the coach. You and I have talked about this. They needed an identity desperately, and they could not find one. I think they're beginning to find one. These last couple games, I thought their game 
against Penn State. I know, I know the scoreline looks bad, but Penn State sticks in a late score there. That was really like a two, it was like a 16, 17 point game the entire way. And I thought West Virginia actually showed a lot of character in a really bad, like a really tough environment. They did not get run out of the building in that game. That was that was not an that was not a super competitive game, but it was not like a Mac team going and playing at Penn State, and we've seen it seen them get run. And they come back in this pit game and they lose their starting quarterback and they lose their starting running back at one point later on in the game, but they still look really competitive. And so I'm wondering, all right, West Virginia, I don't know how well it's gonna go. I don't know how many games you win with this this kind of approach, but they have Texas Tech this week. And I'll tell you what, Robbie, they look tough. They look tough. They look engaged. They want to run the football at you. They want to control the clock. And they do seem like a team at this point in time that is that is really together. And I didn't think that might be the case three games in. So I think Neil Brown has coached himself back on the hot seat. How do you feel? Yeah, uh, and my thing is, what is the ceiling for West Virginia as a football program? Like, if you get rid of Neil Brown, are you guaranteed to get someone better? And that's where I don't know if you necessarily are. Maybe I'm just completely wrong about West Virginia football. But right now, you see Neil Brown. He gets he leaves non-conference play with two wins, and that's honestly kind of impressive for what we thought of them. And then you look at their recruiting-wise, no one has recruited better for West Virginia than Neil Brown. However, I do believe that if, let's say, he goes into Big 12 play and they only get two Big 12 wins, I think there is a really tough choice for Ren Baker to make just because how can you sell another year of that? How can, in your after your first year of being AD, how can you be like, you know what, we support this guy with like losing after losing after losing and bad quarterback play after bad quarterback play? Now, if they're sticking to their guns and just, let's just give C.J. Donaldson the ball and run – and a league where I think kind of has kind of worse defensive lines than they did last year. And I, I think this is a league where they can, this is a year where they can take advantage of someone a down year defensively for the big 12. But no, I, I do think he is not safe yet, but I do think after this start, we do have to be kind of more optimistic about the Neil Brown era. And I never thought they were going to finish 14th in the league, like what the, the preseason poll was. But I do think this was a team that even though they took a loss, came out of non-conference play like okay i'm kind of i'm kind of excited for this year's trajectory yeah and pitt might be terrible like, that's fine but like it's more about some of the, the worst quarterback play i've ever seen yeah <laughs> it's just really bad. Because, I mean, that's back-to-back weeks too he was terrible against cincinnati i think he's thrown six picks in the last two weeks um terrible against cincinnati but like part of that's defense too and that pit offensive line we actually thought was supposed to be pretty good has been has not been very good um and so give west virginia credit and uh They've got a huge game against Texas Tech this week, and they're six-point dogs, and I don't think Garrett Green's going to play. Uh, we'll see about C.J. Donaldson, but that's a tough assignment, man. It's a tough assignment, but if they, if they win this game, that's a three-and-one football team, and I don't know how the rest of the season goes for them once again, but like this, this game right here, to me at least, is the most important game in Neil Brown's career because, look, I know you can make excuses saying the quarterback's hurt and the running back's hurt, but – you kind, you kind of like I'm. I'm not gonna make excuses for you because you are getting, or you're already getting some leeway because of the school situation. So I actually think it's a fair compromise to be like, look, we're giving you an extra shot as it is now. 
I'm not going to start making excuses on your extra shot. Um, and so you, you have to make, you know, you have to make, uh, you know, make lemonade, I guess is the kind of way to put it. Now, the school where we were looking before the season, the one weekend things look really good was Houston. I love the over on their win total for the year, which was five and a half. Um, they have a chance to get to two this week, and which means they're going to need three Big 12 wins, or four and a half, rather. Uh, they're going to need a win this week in Sam Houston to get to two and two. But, man, after a 17-14 dogfight win against UTSA to start the year off, going and losing in double overtime to Rice and then getting flatlined by TCU, not a good start for them. Not a good start for Dana Holgerson in Houston. And they look they look disinterested at times, and that's been a problem for Dana Holgerson teams. They look outclassed at times, but there are times they look competitive too, and that's the frustrating part about this, is that he just does not seem to be connecting with his team very well. No, I agree. And uh, Houston, I, I even think at Big 12 Media Day, like when we were covering that, you could tell that him and the athletic director were not very excited about this upcoming year. They were very excited about being in the Big 12, but you could tell that right. they were already making some excuses. They were saying, like, you know what? Like this year it's gonna it's gonna take a while. It's gonna take a while to get the depth that we need. And I think even they knew that the the cupboard that they have was not great. And you look at their quarterback play, Donovan Smith had some flashes at Texas Tech this year, one of the worst in the league. Yeah, and I good. don't know if, where this team can go. Now, the good thing is their next couple of games, you have this, I would consider, hopefully, a W. But then you play Texas Tech and West Virginia. And I will give credit to TCU. As much as, you know, they got embarrassed by Colorado in the first game of the year, I still think that is a very good team. Chandler Morris mm -hmm. is like, showing to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league, in a league that has not shown to have really good quarterback play this year. I do think they have some dogs. I do like that team. Um, even though they may not be the team of last year, I do like TCU. But no, it is not looking good for Houston. And if you were to pick who would to get, who would get more fired, Dana Holgerson or Neil Brown, I, I do want to see the odds of what that would be in like a Vegas sports book. And right now, it, it's it's difficult because I'm still not necessarily sold that Neil Brown is the guy for West Virginia for the long term. But also, Dana Holgerson has shown over the past like two years that. Maybe he is not the person in Houston, which is in a recruiting hotbed. You should have an yeah. amazing recruiter in that place because there is so much talent there. So if I were to pick one, I think it would be Dana. Uh, but yes, not a very good start for Houston, even though I think their future is still very bright because of where they are. Yeah, It's starting to shift the other way. I definitely think the odds would now be in favor of Dana Holgerson at this point in time. And look, the problem is for them, too, they can't block. Uh, last week, they've allowed 12 sacks in the first three games. Um, they, you know, I know part of that's Donovan holding the football, trying to make plays, but they have to be better up front. And the running game has not been like, you know, it's not been in both the running game and the passing game has just been off to slow starts at certain points. Uh, th actually they've gotten off to slow starts in all three of their games, right? Slow start against UTSA, really slow start against rice. And then last week too, uh, you know, the, I mean, ended up scored 13 points the first half and got shot out the rest of the way, but still didn't feel like it was a super fast start. Kind of one more team. Want to get your thought on before we get out of here? K State. So, your beloved K State Wildcats. Uh, tough loss to Missouri, but well, a couple things from them. Number one, that receiving core is just not. They're not great at getting separation just yet. Their secondary 
is a little bit of a problem. But I will say this. I love the way Will Howard looked. I thought Avery Johnson looked incredibly exciting. And so there's some questions about how good their offensive line is this year. I think more Avery Johnson could be a little bit of a solution for that. I mean, Robbie, we're at a point right now where I'm not even sure he's attempted a pass yet. This, I think mean, he may have attempted to pass this, but I don't think he attempted one last game and was still a very, very effective runner. And so Will Howard might not go this week, and they have, I believe, UCF at home is who they have this week. Uh, and I I don't think John Rice Plumley is going to play, um, which makes this game, you know, it makes this game interesting, obviously. But yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to see what Avery Johnson looks like because I think he's got a ton of promise. He's an electric player, and I think actually could help them out a little bit in the run game. I know some folks don't want them to go two quarterbacks again. I think Will Howard's the guy. But look, this team does need a little bit of running game. I think Will Howard's really, really good. I think he's being asked to force the ball into some really tight spaces. So I do think some packages where they use Avery Johnson is a necessity where last year I think they could have just stuck with one quarterback and still been fine. No, I, I definitely agree, and I think that was my biggest qualm with Kansas State uh, this year so far just because I don't know who exactly is their elite receiver, and I think their best receiver this year has been Ben Sinnott, who is a very good tight end, but I don't think yeah. that's a good sign if you can't you know, be vertical or have those deep bombs, especially when you have an arm like Will Howard. And you could tell this year Will Howard is definitely like taking a lot of gambles. Like He is throwing yeah. balls into very, very tight windows, just because it, I think he feels like he has to, like he doesn't necessarily have someone he can trust. So he's trying to make some things happen when they're not there. Uh, but that was a game against Missouri or I know you are a Missouri tiger, but I really thought that Kansas state blew that game for themselves. They were making very uncharacteristic like moves where they're leaving uh, a Burton just out like wide open in certain points and just defensive miscues that you don't know what exactly is going on in their offensive line that we all know how good they are. They, they were just getting bullied at certain points. And that's a team that misses a deuce fawn, I think, very much just because you have that kind of player that can get you out in case of emergency. Now, I really do like the running back rooms of Treshawn Ward and DJ Giddens, but you don't have that type of, you know, get, get out of jail free card that they did last year. And the thing that really hurts them now is they got hit by injuries hard against Missouri. Daniel Green, linebacker, out for a year. Treshawn Ward, doubtful. Will Howard, now questionable for this game. And that's where, like, I'm not necessarily done believing in Kansas State this year, but it's more of, okay, there's a there's some things here that are very obvious that were not obvious last year and some uncharacteristic mistakes that I don't think a Kansas State team usually does. So not selling my stock, but I think last week was a game where they can go in the film room and be like, we should be a lot better than where we are now. Yeah, losing Deuce Green is going to hurt them a lot. He's he's a tremendous player in the middle of that defense, so we'll end up having to see. All right, Robbie, where can people find you in your work? I'm trying to get out of here before my voice just completely gives out. So where can the folks find you in your work and all of its variety? Yeah, fi follow me on Twitter, at the Triano Kid. I have a very important announcement to, to come out soon, more college football news as well. Uh, that is, uh, fingers crossed. Uh, so yes, uh, but keep following me there. I love watching Big Twelve football. And shout out my BYU Cougars uh, this year. I adopted them as my new fan. Three and yeah. O. Let's go three and O and beat <laughs> Arkansas. Let's go. I, I love picking the right teams. I love being right. Uh, BYU a really exciting win over uh, over the Razorbacks this past week. So Robbie, appreciate your time, and we'll talk again soon. Awesome. Thanks, man.